0: Time is running out! Welcome, everybody there. It's High Cabin Metro Radio Program. And uh, I missed last week due to a seminar. And first thing and foremost, I want to say thank you to my guest host, Rick Dodd and Ross Benton uh, Watson there. They did a fantastic job. And we got a lot going on the show. Let me give you some highlights of what's coming up. As always, true stories of self-defense from the American Rifleman's The Armed Citizens column. We're going to learn what to do and what not to do. In situations like these, so get your note-taking materials ready. This week's LTC attorney segment, License to Carry attorney segment, is sponsored by coppolino Dodd Krebs Law Firm, and it's going to be the uh, continuation of the Bill of Rights. And we are on the Sixth Amendment. Before the close of the hour, we'll have another delicious tactical snacking segment from the delicious Janae Goodman. She's always got great information to give us, and we're going to have a good time. So, take us out, buddy. We'll see you on the other side. That's right, everybody. I am back in the saddle and loving every minute of it. Now, we are here in the true stories of self-defense coming out of the American Rifleman's The Armed Citizens column, and it's the most current issue, April 2019. It's page 10. If you got your magazines, pull them out and read along. Here we go. Story number one. An armed citizen provided timely aid to a store employee who was assaulted by two shoplifters. In Loomis, California, a man and woman walked into a store and apparently attempted to leave with more than $50 worth of goods. A store employee confronted the pair over the alleged theft and was attacked by the male shoplifter with a knife. As the pair scuffled, the woman picked up the knife in an attempt to injure the worker as well. A bystander with a concealed carry permit saw the incident and drew a firearm, ordering the woman to drop the knife and remain where she was. Officers soon arrived and arrested the pair for multiple criminal violations. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a a clear-cut case of protection of a third person you are able to do that. If you've got a license to carry and you're walking down the street and something goes down, you can get yourself involved if you want to. That's protection of a third person, okay? Just when you're going to use a firearm, make sure it's um, it's worthy of pulling out your firearm, okay? Because I we have this joke around here. We do pot every day. I do pot all day long. And pot is a perception of threat. And based on the perception of threat will determine what I'm going to do in the force level um scenarios because there's force, reasonable necessary force, and deadly force. So if I, if I come into a scenario and all it needs is, hey, don't do that, and I pull out a gun, I, that's overkill. <laughs> no pun intended. Alright, story number two. Attorney extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson is in the house. What's going on, Ross? I'm ready, man. Alright. Story number two. In the early morning hours in Temecula, California, a retired Marine awoke to the sounds of a break-in. Arming himself with a handgun, the homeowner went to confront two would-be burglars who had entered his rural residence. One of the suspects opened fire on the Marine. This act resulted in a shootout inside the home. After emptying his firearm, the homeowner retreated to another room as the two suspects fled. One of the suspected attackers, who apparently had been hit by the armed citizen during the incident, was taken to the hospital for treatment with gunshot injuries. Sheriff deputies responded to an emergency call at the residence and alerted local hospitals to watch for suspicious people with gunshot injuries. Deputies soon learned of a man at a hospital who was believed to have been involved in the shootout with a retired Marine, and an investigation was launched into the incident. Now, ladies and gentlemen, on that one, um, you know, when somebody breaks into your home like that, you can be a little bit um, out of it, right? But the first thing he did was he went and got his weapon. Then he engaged and yeah, okay, he didn't. He obviously didn't get good hits on his target, but he still got him, alright? The point is, you always go to get your weapon first. Don't go look at the problem and then go back to get your weapon. Get your weapon first. The other thing you might want to consider is this. With all these guns coming out for concealed carry, you know, you want light, tight, small, compact, and you can carry some extra mags. At home and at night, you might want that Glock 19 with the 30 round magazine or the Glock 21 with a 25-round uh, magazine, so you don't have to worry about reloads because the story stated he ran out of ammunition. Well, that's the worst thing in a fight is running out of ammunition. The fight only lasts as long as there's ammunition in it. Okay, so um, have more than he does or the intruder does. Story number three. A domestic dispute escalated into violence one evening in Nebo, North Carolina as a 69-year-old woman got into an altercation with her grandson who was described as agitated over a grievance. In response, the young man allegedly dragged his grandmother and her wheelchair outside of the house and began to assault her. The elderly woman's son-in-law, who lives near the residence, witnessed the the commotion. Pulling out his firearm, the son-in-law shot the young man in the leg to prevent further injury to her. The grandmother had suffered injuries to her hands, arms, and neck, and her assailant has been charged with assaults as deputies, blah, 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 continue to investigate. Okay, I'm going to go off of this story based on how it's written. It sounds as though the son-in-law aimed purposely at the guy's leg, okay? I can look at that two ways. Here you are, your family, and you don't really want to kill this dude, but you want to stop it and you feel that it's necessary to use your firearm and you want to what they so-called wing him, okay, so they stop doing it. That's a very dangerous thing to do. It can lead to a whole bunch of legality problems. So, I can understand possibly the way it's written, him not wanting to kill the individual, but there could have been another way to do it. So, my bottom line is this. If you're going to use that firearm, if you're going to pull that trigger, it's meant to stop the threat. And I mean stop it, not wing it. Okay, so keep that in mind when it comes to your training purposes. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know I have always an opinion and observation. And on this one's a little... um, Uh, It'll be probably a little heated. So I'm gonna play a disclaimer first. And, you ready to do that? Let's go ahead and play that. When I come back, I'll I'll read you my observation piece. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is usually my opinion piece. And I'm gonna give you my opinion. But I wanna make a disclaimer here first. I do this show, people ask me, why do you do this show? And sometimes I gotta look in the mirror and ask myself, You know, sometimes I wonder why I do this show. I do this show, because I feel as though with my age and experience, I've got something to offer. And it's just my makeup, my being. I'm, a, I'm not really a teacher. A teacher is one who learns something that somebody else knows and then teaches somebody else. I, I am a teacher, but I'm also a creator. I look at all the things out there. I glean all this information. I come up with hypotheses and ideas and concepts, try to advance, modernize, smooth out the rough edges, make better, make quicker, all the different techniques possible. So I'm not just a teacher, I'm an innovator in a lot of things. Sometimes, however, my opinion may not be the opinions of others, and God bless America for it too. But I wanna make something clear on this program. This is my show, and it's sponsored by different types of people. And those people may not have the same view that I have, although they like most of the show. So I want to make the disclaimer as this. The opinions that I put on this show are mine alone. They have nothing to do with sponsors or other guests unless they acknowledge it for themselves. So I just want to make that clear. What I say comes from me. doesn't necessarily mean it's supported 100% by anybody associated with the show, you, the listener, or whoever. Okay? So I wanted to make that clear. Or the radio station, for that matter. So now, with this... All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm back live here. I want to make that disclaimer because I'm now, what is today's, March 23rd, right? I'm going to now read to you my observation piece. And it's titled, In My Eyes, You're No Man. Ladies and gentlemen, Beto O'Rourke dodges the question. Are you against third trimester abortions? His reply, the question is about abortion and reproductive rights. And my answer to you is that Should be a decision that the woman makes. I trust her. He said that to cheers and applause. Well, first of all, he didn't answer the question. The question was if he was against third trimester abortions. He diverted and dodged the question. He's a politician. All politicians lie, all of them do, all the way up to the White House, right now, in future, and in past. They all lie. You'd be a fool to believe otherwise. So, to any of you listening to this who are pro-choice, let me set this up. I'll allow you incest, rape, massive retardation, and possible death to the mother, and even give you the first trimester privileges of aborting the life that is in you. I've taken that all out of the equation. All you have now is what you want to, you know what you want or how you want to terminate the baby, for no other reason than it's inconvenient for you to have it. And for Beto O'Rourke or anyone else to nonchalantly pass the buck on that and not stand firm to protect that baby is downright sinful. That baby is a baby at conception, in my opinion. But for sake of argument, I'll go with your eight week rule. My wife and I lost our second son to a complication early on, but after your precious eight weeks, I saw his eyes, touched his 10 fingers and toes, marveled at his rib cage and his defined arms and legs. For people to tell me that this is not a human being worthy of protection, I'll tell you these are people without conscience or dignity for life. Instead of aborting precious life, why don't we keep it in your pants, okay? And ladies, keep your legs closed. Sure, mistakes can happen. But I assure you that the birth of that beautiful mistake will give you years of joy while terminating that life will haunt you. There are many out there who can't have children who would love to have yours. Look at your brothers and sisters, then imagine them gone. Ladies and gentlemen, let us be protectors of life, not takers. And the reason I wrote this, if you remember back, you've got governors of states um, who are saying it's okay even after birth to make the decision as to whether or not we can abort the child. And I just think that's downright disgusting. So that's my observation. Uh, if you like it, great. If you don't, I really don't care. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Attorney, uh, near Ben Ross Watson, and we're going to be talking in six minutes. See you later, Welcome back, everybody. The Aaron's High Cabinet Radio Program, it's, and with me sits on the left side of me, Attorney Extraordinaire Benton Ross Watson, as fired up as ever. How's it going, Ross? I'm
1: great to be here. <laughs> we missed you last week. Had it with me and Rick. Had a pretty good discussion. I think several discussions. We we were in charge of the whole show. You got faith in us, but uh, it was pretty pretty interesting. I hope you guys have a chance to check it out. Uh, and if you need to check out well, we more about your, what Rick does, it's at uh, RespectForYou.com.
0: Well, we got your videos up, so you check them out. And uh, I think you'll like them, ladies and gentlemen. Just go to the YouTube channel, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. You get to see how they did the show last week. They did an awesome job. Can't thank Rick them
1: gave some good. Uh, I don't know if it, people catch the second half of the show. It, Rick really went into some uh, liability aspects of civil civil cases as far as you can have with uh, with guns and stuff like that. And you just showed me an article. I think are going to be a good uh, opportunity. I think Rick's coming on the next show or two. I think that'd be a good uh, opportunity for you guys to talk about uh, as far as the gun manufacturer liability.
0: Okay, because I know Rick is excited about the Seventh Amendment and wants to talk about it, and that's next week, so we'll put it all together. Now, speaking of uh, the Bill of Rights here, I always read the preamble for a reason, because Congress wrote this after the ratification of the Constitution because they wanted to make sure that there was no confusion and clarity. And the reason I bring this up all the time is because it just shows how important your amendments are. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. Congress of the United States begun and held the city of New York on Wednesday, the 4th of March, 1789. The conventions of a number of the states having at the time of their adopting the Constitution expressed a desire in order to prevent misconstruction or abuse of its powers that further declaratory and restrictive clauses should be added and is extending the ground of public confidence in the government will best ensure the beneficent ends. Does that right? Of its institution. Okay. I'm a fifty cent word man. You're a dollar and fifty cent word man. So he helped me on that one to say it properly. And Ross, you got the show, brother. The sixth amendment, tell us about it, break it down, how does it apply? Why is it so important? Why should people know it? And why should people always be aware of that preamble to understand how important these rights are. So
1: the sixth amendment's gonna be the criminal defense lawyer's tackle box. Okay? That's a good way to put it for trial. Okay. Okay. A a, a criminal defense trial lawyer's tackle box. Okay. It's going to give you a bunch of the rights that a criminal defendant is entitled to at trial. Okay. And there are actually several here. All right. I've tried to break it down into five. Okay. With some subsets to to make it easier to to grasp. But let's just go ahead and read it real quick. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. By an impartial jury of the state and district where the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. Okay, and so it's
0: chock full of rights there, isn't
1: it? It is. It is. It's got a lot there, and uh, some of them uh, may not even stand out to you, but they're they're important when you look at uh, the purpose of the of the right. And so let's break it down into five. We're going to say trial, notice, confront witnesses, compulsory process, and attorney for your defense. Okay, but it really goes in. There's a lot more there, and if you wanted to break it down into each of into right, you'd have way more than five. Okay, but let's start with trial well we know we we've got a right to the to the trial but we got a right to a public trial we got a right to a speedy trial we've got a right to a jury trial not just a jury trial but a jury trial of impartial made up of impartial people okay from okay there's more rights here from a district within the state where the crime is committed okay and that's because we don't want people we don't want Excuse me. I mean, I may offend some people. We don't liberals from California, right? Being juries on a conservative case in Alabama, okay? Because the, the, the environments are not the same. That's right. You, the people, the
0: the local conduct. It's almost like family. It's you know, but out of my family business. Basically.
1: And there's things that are acceptable in different parts of the. Our America's big and great. It's got so many different kinds of culture. it got so many different kinds of people. Uh, and so many different kinds of laws that, like the what's acceptable in one part of the country is oftentimes not acceptable in another part of the country. E- and even though we are all Americans and we all do have this general sense of what is acceptable and what is not, there are very specific things that could really upset one a- area of a community that won't accept won't upset another area of a community in a different part of the country. Mm-hmm. So it's important that it be drawn from that specific district within that specific state. That makes sure that the jury is. Impartial, right? Okay, and, and impartiality is a big thing. You want to make sure that you're getting uh, peers that uh, understand your case, and and they're going to be fair to you. And a lot of times, we have. I just uh, my girlfriend this morning was watching the the show about the the funeral director. In uh, East Texas, Carthage, that uh, murdered that uh, murdered that lady and put her in the freezer. But he was such a good guy, and she was so evil. And everybody in the community actually <laughs> probably <laughs> probably would have would have found not guilty, <laughs> yeah, because she was one of those. It was one of those uh, deserved good killing ridden, defenses, right? Yeah, good yeah. De- good killing defenses. And so the prosecutor. It's kind of one of those odd deals where actually the prosecutor was trying to change venue, because it was unfair to him.
0: He couldn't get a he couldn't get a guilty verdict
1: because everybody hated that lady. <laughs> that's
0: like a, that movie, A Time to Kill. Man, there's a time to kill and there's a time not to kill. <laughs> so, I mean,
1: it, it is important to have to have an impartial jury on your side. You, I mean, doesn't that's the whole come? point? That's the whole point in jury selection. I think uh, one of my favorite things I used to get a kick out of. I really can't pull it off, but uh, Clyde Chandler used to say, "I'm not." I'm not looking uh, for a fair jury. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a jury who's going to listen to my case. Okay? And so... Uh, an impartial jury is somebody who's not going to be biased against you. Somebody who's not going to uh, let prejudice get in the way of, of listening to your case. And we, we I, if I can get to a couple stories or a good illustrations, doesn't, doesn't,
0: doesn't this all stem from back in the day when the founding fathers wrote this, coming from England, and how the people would be taken prisoner and kept in cells for weeks on end without any fair trial? That's why it's so precious. This amendment to make sure that that doesn't happen to us here in this new. country. So
1: there's that's getting to into the notice mm-hmm. portion, and we actually have. We actually have a special provisions in Texas about um, you can't be held in jail for more than so many days on a certain level. Every, uh, if like a Class B, Class A misdemeanors, right? state jail felony, first, second, and third degree felony. Each one of those has a different time period because of the seriousness of the offense. Mm-hmm. But in Texas, we require you within so many days, right, to be notified of exactly what the charges are and to be. Uh, presented with the indictment, or the, ca- the prosecutors have to let you out. Good job. Okay, and that stems from, I'm, I told that story specifically to Texas because that one actually has roots uh, in the fact when Stephen F. Austin went down to Mexico to try to plea, petition with Santa Ana, and Santa Ana was at that time already preparing that he was already going to come and try to uh, quell some of the rebellion that was going on in Texas. And so instead of listening to Stephen F. Austin, uh, petition about certain locations he just put him in jail Mm -hmm. didn't tell him what he was being put in jail for he was put in jail for months okay and just left there just to rot essentially and eventually just was was let out and he did make his way back to texas but there was it was totally unfair gave no notice and so you, you can't do that it's a violation of your due process rights i mean you can't just put somebody in jail for, without letting them know what they're there for and without giving them an opportunity to have access to counsel, access to a way to get their freedom back. It's a great example. Yeah. And so, uh, but let, uh, sometimes things that um,
0: don't stand out to people either. Why do you think we need, we need public trials? Because you don't want dirty tricks being done behind the scenes. You want it to be um, out in the open so that everybody knows what's going on. It's legit. It's fair. And uh, there's no trickery.
1: Okay, that's all of, you gave them several examples there which are good. We had the Spanish Inquisition. We had the star chamber. We had I don't even know how to pronounce it. I've heard the different names. Uh, Lettre de cachet, okay? Or something like that. They watch it, man. It was it was another it was another French it was another French device for for um allowing secret secret proceedings. OK, to challenge people. Star Chamber is one of the worst. I've talked about it several times on here about the things that they did to bring challengers of the crown, bring bring those folks in and, and bring them in the Star Chamber. Mm-hmm. And it was it was essentially another Spanish inquisition it was another it was another way to, to do an inquisition. It was another way to to um, get your challengers, political challengers out of the way. That's right. Okay, and we don't want that. And everything that you just said is right. It needs to be public. It needs to be out in the open. So today they, is
0: March twenty third. The time is ten thirty five. I was right. Mark that in your calendars. You're not going to have that often. That I'm right. That's a joke.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, so so it's public. It's a public trial, and it, it, it keeps it keeps the government honest. Yes, that's what it does, and it, and it's so fundamental. Right a lot of times it's not mentioned that much but it's so fundamental the court actually analyzes the public trial clause section okay with the first amendment
0: how many times do you know people I know this happens to me I cringe at the at the sound of it's going to be a closed door meeting it's going to be a, a no media allowed I'm thinking why why can't we go in there and see what's the big deal sometimes
1: so, sometimes those are going to be permissible in cases of like child sexual assault like when they're going to be bringing out some really hurtful information other times juveniles there's going to be some juvenile cases there's going to be other trials maybe where uh there's an ongoing conspiracy that still the government is still working right but they've got this half all worked out and they're prosecuting this half and so maybe they don't want all of the information to come out because they don't want other people learning about right what the government's about to do strategy-wise in an ongoing
0: investigation and so well you say it's okay then i'll I'll take your word for it
1: but uh, uh but those have to be very narrow what we would call in the legal field is narrow narrowly tailored okay okay they have to be uh just just enough to cover the stuff that we don't want everybody to hear right and that's it 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 can't cover more stuff like there was a famous case it was a seven day secret trial when they only played like two and a half days of or or maybe even less than that i think it was even less than that may have been only hours worth of the confidential stuff and of course said, not that's a you can't do that it needs to be if it's two hours of confidential stuff then okay two hours needs to be made secret not the whole week okay so so that's so it's important to keep a check on the government speedy okay just i'm gonna ask you what do you think why we have a speedy trial what, what is the need for having
0: well it's speedy? Kind of, it's kind of basically what i said um earlier you don't want to if you're going to try to convict somebody of a crime, get it done and over with. Why torment? Keep a person in jail if he ends up being innocent at the end. Why keep him in there for so long? If he's being accused, get the people, get the trial, get it done with.
1: But haven't you heard me on here before talk about uh, you know anything that's not a loss is a win from a criminal defense standpoint. And some of the best defenses are delay. <laughs> delay, delay, delay. So why would we want a speedy trial? I mean, it's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive, right? We're trying to push it back. We're trying to let the defendant get more money so he can fund this thing. We're trying to get the defendant more money so he can have time to investigate. We're trying to have have more time so that we can uh, have the
0: attorney really prepare for the case and find a defense. We, I mean, well, wait, what? what are we talking about? A speedy trial in the sense you're in the courtroom, you want it fast in the courtroom, or everything proceeding up to that day and time, the whole process
1: whole process so what and then and then and then two where, where does this where does the speediness come into because you already have the statute of limitations well this, it all depends the government's if, already going to have a limitations period to bring a case
0: it all depends if you're sitting in a jail cell or not if you're out yeah okay bingo delay as much as that's, you want
1: that's a big one right we don't want we don't want somebody sitting in jail languishing in jail right without any means to be able to do anything about it they need they need to either if they're gonna be languishing in jail we need to have a process to make sure that they actually get heard so that if they're not guilty they don't sit in jail and another thing is what about witnesses witnesses and evidence over time if the government could just delay 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 forever people forget people forget people die evidence disintegrates evidence disappears a lot of times Mm -hmm. right cops people move yes you do have compulsory processes goes into that in a civil case you're gonna be limited 100 150 miles You're not going to be able to go past that to subpoena people, okay? In a criminal case, you got nationwide authority. You can go anywhere in the United States, right, and get your witnesses, okay? And so, yes, people move, but it still makes it harder, no doubt, right? Absolutely. Even if I can go anywhere, you would agree with me that it would be a whole lot harder to find a witness that moved to Alaska than if they just moved to Rockdale. Absolutely. So we we got to have this speediness element, or the government could just delay, delay, delay in hopes that something would... Would happen in their favor, and, and then, then they, they can win. bring the
0: trial, and then they win,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. And so, a lot of times, though, they're not going to give this right to you. Know, they're not going to let me. They're not going to let me delay, 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 and acquiesce, like agree with the state. Yeah, delay, 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 and use that as a way to, and then, and then, and then, when the delay works out not in my favor, then use that as a way to, right, get the case thrown out. Okay, I, so the the defendant doesn't necessarily have to bring. An action to speed up the trial, but he can't. He can't be a party to why there's been a such a delay that maybe this maybe this instant uh, this section this clause right could be could be used to his his benefit. Um, Oh, so we have the two biggest rights, and so before we get into these, we talked about uh, Brewer versus Williams, and that was in. uh, It's one of my favorite cases, simply for just because of just everything. It's such a. It's such a. a powerful story on both ends where the, the man in the 1970s escapes from a mental institution. Uh, Miss Pamela powers was a young girl. I think she was seven years old, but I could be wrong on the, on the exact age, but it was a small young girl up and coming. Very sweet. Just, just one of those stories where she is everything that parents and grandparents want her to want their grandchild to be. Okay. And just a wonderful young girl. And, was going at a as a play day sort of at a at some sort of a facility and that's happened to be where uh Mr. Williams the escaped mental institution uh uh person who was in the institution the defendant in this case that okay. gets off okay Mr. Williams he happened to, to go to the same facility when he's wandering around after he escaped from the mental institution okay and so he he sees Pamela Powers and he takes her and he essentially kills her, even puts her in a trunk, right? leaves the town, and uh, buries her somewhere out in the wilderness. Now, Mr. Williams had been a preacher, right? He was very, uh, uh, and I don't, there's probably a backstory to why he developed a mental illness, but he was a a preacher and somebody who was very religious. He was very uh, sensitive and emotional towards religion. And so eventually he comes to have like what we would call maybe a moment of clarity and realizes that he's what he's done to this little girl. And he calls a lawyer and tells him what he's done. He says, I, I don't know why I have this problem, but I have it and I need to turn myself in and I need to uh, I need to uh, make amends for what's been done. And I need to, you know, uh, I just need help. Doing this, and so the lawyer arranges, and and the and the authorities are going crazy, right? They're trying to find the person who kidnapped this little girl, and they don't know what's happened to her. And then the lawyer calls in and says, "Look, uh, Mr. Williams calls me. Uh, he wants to turn himself in. Uh, he wants to uh, uh, talk about things, but uh, but under no circumstances are you guys to talk about it here, because he had he had he had he had traveled to a different town, a different location, and." before we can talk about anything I want you guys is talking to the police I want you guys to make sure that you bring him back here where you he can have me present before he speaks with anybody and the police agree they even agree they get the prosecutor involved the prosecutor agrees no cops will question him no, nobody will question him until he gets back to this town uh, the police the the, the, the police chiefs are, are warned again again do not talk to him do not ask him any questions do not do anything. Right, that would jeopardize the case. Do not do anything that would talk about right, the crime without his lawyer present. That means do not talk to him at all until you get back to where his lawyer is in this other town. Okay, And they continue to stress this point. This was made more than once, more than twice, more than three times. The police knew the deal. They agreed not to question him. Well, Officer Detective Lemming knows Mr. Williams, or he knows about Mr. Williams, and he knows that Mr. Williams has these sensitive predilections he's already he's already subject to uh very being very emotional right with a religious sentiment and so uh on the way back to this other town to meet the lawyer Doc detective lemming is the one that's tasked with the duty to drive mr williams back to his lawyer and so during that drive and it's a several hour drive right uh, detective lemming thinks that he's clever and so instead of, you know, asking questions, he just starts playing on his emotion. You know, it would really be good to have for the family to be able to bury this little girl, you know, like a good Christian family would want and like a good Christian would deserve. And uh starts talking about things about how the how, how the spirit may not be able to go without, you know, a, a proper burial with the body and talks about how important it is from a religious standpoint to have right the the memorial service and to have uh the religious ceremony with the burial and it's really just you know it would be really good for you to tell us where that you know if we he's maybe not like that even maybe it's just it'd be really good if you know somebody would tell us where the body is so that we could have this uh this burial and it's, they wanted the body right because they needed evidence mm-hmm. right a lot of times I, I mean they'll say that the having the body is is necessary for the conviction it's not necessarily true but right it, it uh, definitely helps okay it's a big big part of it and so yes eventually he gets mr williams to tell him where the little girl's body is and they go there and they they dig up her body and this was all without a lawyer and it it goes to trial and of course she's convicted and it goes up to appeal and they appeal it all the way to the united states supreme court and it was overturned on the appellate level because they violated the sixth amendment right to counsel okay and you, I know what you guys are thinking. Like, there's nothing wrong with this. This guy deserved what he got. This guy, there's nothing. But the the court said no. Right? the The police knew what they were doing. The police knew they were violating his Sixth Amendment rights. The police knew that this gentleman had constitutional rights, and intentionally, and and even though they agreed over and over and over again, and it was made known to them, they they simply ignored the constitutional requirements, and just totally squashed them based on de- police detective motivations. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was this huge dissent and people were dissent, dissenting generally. People were upset by this. And then it was, I tell, I, I tell this part, it was Justice Stevens that said, right, nothing we write can bring that little girl back. Nothing we write can bring that little girl back. And, but what we do write has implications for generations to come future generations and i think that there was uh, justice marshall wrote um the dissenters have i believe lost sight of the fundamental constitutional backbone of our criminal law they seem to think that detective leeming's actions were perfectly proper indeed laudable examples of good police work in my view good police work is something far different from catching the criminal at any price it is equally important that the police of guardians of the law fulfill their responsibility to obey its commands scrupulously. And in and for in the end, life and liberty can be as much endangered from illegal methods used to convict those thought to be criminals as from the actual criminals themselves. And, then he, and he goes on to quote uh, a very famous quote, and it uh, it says, for good or for ill, it teaches the whole people by its example, that is the government and crime is contagious. If the government becomes a lawbreaker, it breeds contempt for law, it invites every man to become a law unto himself, and it invites anarchy. Yep. And so, so well, look, they, broke, I, they broke the law clearly here, and it was important for this man who was trying to do the right thing, even though he had done a bad thing, to, to, to come to justice, but he still
0: deserved the process. So what was his conclusion? What, what ever happened to this guy? In the end, there
1: was another case. There was another famous case, and it actually gave uh, it actually gave an exception to the sixth and fourth amendments, right? And that is inevitable discovery. At the same time, at the same time, right? There was um, there was another. There was other evidence about where the body, uh, girl's body, could be found from another di- completely different department, and so they were already en route to go get the little girl.
0: So fortunately, because although the one detective did something outside. Of the proper law, they were able to utilize and throw that out. They were able to utilize another. Later um, on, yes. So we were fortunate on that. In a second, but. But, but I'll tell you, everything you said, Ross, I cannot deny. I will not um, say I don't agree, because I do. I think the law is so precious. You've got to protect it. And if there is a flaw in the law, then we do the process to get it corrected. But until such point in time, if you start screwing with the law, just like you said, then it becomes worthless.
1: Right. And so in this case, too, it illustrates what exactly is the lawyer requirements so as soon as you say i want a lawyer interrogations have to cease and i told the, the 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 folks that were listening last week that when we talked about the fifth amendment we would talk about the interrogation aspect it's got to be custody and interrogation and so we we spoke during the fifth amendment whether or not a seizure is custody and whether custody was a seizure and we we said that uh uh custody is definitely a seizure but not all seizures are custody.
0: Can, you, can I be ignorant here? Help me clarify, you're being detained, you're into custody, and seizure.
1: So a seizure, a detention is a seizure. Okay, any kind of any kind of submission to a show of authority, any kind of time you stop after being asked to stop by the police, that's going to be a detention, probably. I mean, I, I, 90-something percent of the time Because sometimes case. you see
0: people say, am I being detained? And then an officer says, well, no, but we want to... Uh, Right, And then
1: so if if they say that, I'd leave. I'd turn around and walk off. Okay, we'll see you later. Okay. (laughs) And so if they're going to detain you, then they need to detain you. And if they're going to put you in custody, that's when, okay, you're going to be interrogated. that's also when Miranda for the Fifth Amendment is going to apply is when you're in custody and you're being interrogated. So this case really gives us a good example about what can be interrogation. So it was thrown out because he didn't ask him any questions. No, he did not. He didn't ask. He didn't ask Mr.
0: Williams any questions. But he spoke in a manner that made him spill his guts.
1: But yes, and so, but he. he it was calculated. What the. Yeah. What the phrase going to be? It was calculated to elicit an incriminating response.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was calculated to elicit an incriminating response. But I do commend the officer. I do commend him. That was very. Uh, he's sharp. He's thinking. He's sharp. And, however, what however, what
1: what else about Detective Lemming I think is a big big A plus for him. He was honest. He didn't lie about anything that he did. When they called him at trial and tried to get this case thrown out for that, he didn't lie about any of it. He straight up said, "Yeah, I did that. This is what I did."
0: Hoping, hoping, probably that it's a loophole that will be overlooked and he can get this guy convicted. Probably, but it was just between him and him and Mr. Williams.
1: He could have said whatever he wanted to say.
0: That's right. Yeah. And, and so, so I admitted I, it. Yeah.
1: Big, big kudos to the police in this in this instance for being honest on the stand because I, I can tell you. There's there's at least some police officers out there, if not a lot. Doesn't this kind of go
0: like probably I love, wouldn't have been I honest. love Caesar, but I love Rome more. Isn't that kind of the same thing? We, we love how this is happening to catch a criminal, but I love Rome more, meaning I love Correct. to preserve the law to keep it intact because, like you just said before, if that gets corrupt then everything gets corrupt, I think that's a really good analogy. Okay, right. so and, and so so it's uh, ten fifty two on. March 23rd, Matt said something good again. (laughs) (laughs)
1: And so we have, I mean, this is just, it's just one of those example cases. And so i love to bring this example up and ask jurors, if they were in the judge's positions on the Supreme Court, would they have been able to do this? Mm -hmm. And if they say, no, I don't, you know, that's somebody I don't want on my jury. That's somebody who doesn't love Rome more. They would rather see the bad guy go to jail.
0: All right, give me one second. We got a question here. Do we get anything from Delicious Janae? Guys? You got it, okay. We're gonna have to wrap it up, Ross. Why don't you? Can you summarize all the Sixth Amendment here, real quick? And
1: Remember, we get, we get, we want a fair trial, okay. And a lot of the times, that means the public trial, a speedy trial. It means the location of the trial, and it means the jury, and it means the location of where the jury comes from. Uh, it also protects notice. We got to have notice of what we're being accused of and why we're being accused of that, including the facts of the case. We want to be able to confront our witnesses, which we didn't even get to. Right, and that based on hearsay. We don't want hearsay uh, that's out there, just what somebody else said, without being able to confront that person and 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 see why where they're getting their information. Okay, and this is probably one of the most important rights out there. And I'm sorry we didn't get to it. Well, let's do but it. Let's just, do
0: a Sixth Amendment Part B then. We'll okay, have,
1: I think that would be great.
0: Okay, and I think I don't know what uh, Rick's schedule is if he has to come in this upcoming Saturday. We'll do that, and then follow up again on it. Otherwise, if not, I can postpone the seventh and do a uh, six amendment part. That
1: would be great. I'd love to do
0: that. Okay, I'll and, and, then, and right. then
1: compulsory process. We have a right to go get our witnesses that are going to help our case. This is and, a very
0: important one, ladies and gentlemen. And we really need to go over. We
1: it. have a right to an attorney. Okay, you have a right to an attorney, and it's just a huge right, as we can see from Brewer versus Williams. Criminal defense trial lawyers tackle box. That's right. Okay, and it's very important if you're going to. Being the criminal defense business, you got to know your Sixth Amendment, and we've got a lot of fun cases, a lot of important things that you guys should know. And I hope to demonstrate today from what I was talking about at the very beginning. So, if you listen to this series, you'll see that each one of these constitutional amendments is a hodgepodge. They each work together, each intertwined, right to protect the other. And so, let's get to it. So, let's I mean, do it. today is the Sixth Amendment. To recap. Uh, and last time I broke the Sixth Amendment down into uh, five pieces, but really it's more than that. But we're going to talk about probably the three most important, in my opinion, the ones that I think everybody can relate to today. The, the, the Sixth Amendment says, though, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district where the crime has been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law. And to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation to be confronted with the witnesses against him to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense and so today i want to focus on uh really the importance of the jury trial the importance of cross-examination right to confront your witnesses and the right to have a lawyer uh by your side throughout those proceedings you remember we spoke, I, I got to tell the story uh, last week about how even when the, 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 the right to an attorney is so important to the a- assertion of all these other rights, and that's how we exercise these other rights, that even when a case might result in, may end in a horrendous, I'd say even atrocious result, courts are not only willing but mandated to throw it aside, to stonewall that prosecution and even when it like we said resulted in a murder of a of a young girl, girl yep. okay and so that's how important the right to counsel is and and just to te- oh by the way so that brings me we uh we after we one of my favorite professors of all time he's probably one of the best many other students would agree with me Jeffrey Korn professor corn uh, expert in um Law of War and counterterrorism tactics. I uh, was a, a, a highfalutin. I call him a Jag attorney for the for the prosecution. Actually, uh, listened to our show. He said he would kind of want to join, but he sent me an article that um, that uh, was very interesting about is actually the Fifth Amendment about the interrogation tactics. And but and I'm not going to get so much into that. But it, he made his case that he wants law enforcement to tell people that they have the right to remain silent, not only that, but that their silence cannot be used against them. Their silence, right, will not be evidence against them. Their their silence will not be uh, used as a coercive tool uh, to as a sign of guilt, in other words. Mm -hmm. And so he wants an additional warning for the Miranda, and he makes his case by saying that the reason that we warn people about the right to counsel is because they don't know any better. They may be commonly and logically smart, but they're not legally smart. And they're subject to manipulation, to coercion, to uh, just the environment, the adverse environment. People are not used to that. And I can tell you as a defense attorney, just be quiet. Don't don't say anything and, and use that right. But it was so important an attorney will tell you that, and so that just goes to show that how important that an, an attorney is and if you think about it when we started out in the in the England days, we had secret uh examinations this goes into cross examination of the witnesses and I'm, and I'm gonna spill over a little bit into these because they're all kind of the same they're in the they're in the, they're protecting the same rights okay and so it would be it be magistrates. Questioning witnesses in secret, and then you'd go to trial, and then have, you know, affidavits that you couldn't cross-examine, and they didn't allow you to have a lawyer.
0: It just who would put up with that? And, and it, it slowly evolved. I'm am surprised it's. am surprised it slowly evolved and didn't you know have an uprising and say this is forget this. Oh, man. it
1: did. So you know uh, the story about Sir Walter. Raleigh, yes. and so so he was accused of conspiring to murder the king, assassinate the king, and his co-conspirator uh, simply testified in an affidavit, and he demanded that they give him the right to face his accuser, and and tell and show him who it was, and l- allow him to question, and so that he could further develop the case. And they didn't, and he was convicted. He was he was kind of in a in a pardoned in such a way, so he wasn't put to death at that time, but. It, it, it really that was that that's kind of uh, was motivation for the founders to say, man, we don't want this. And it goes all the way back to Roman and Hebrew law. Uh, I think uh, uh, one of the Roman rulers, when the Apostle Paul, I think I got this one uh, written down here, said that uh, uh, it is not the custom of the Romans to deliver a man to destruction before the accused meets the accusers face to face. And it's just it, it just goes to show that y- you have to be able to do this. But how are you going to cross examine? Yourself. Think about it. You think about the right to testify. You think about the right to testify. A lot of people say, well, if they don't testify, that means they're guilty. There's actually statistics showing that if you testify, there's probably more likely that you're yeah, going to be convicted. Because you're,
0: you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You're, you're setting yourself up when really you didn't have to, whereas being quiet, it's done in a more logical um, method. From your attorney it's making sure that all the i's are dotted and t's are crossed as compared to just spitting stuff out there and you didn't mean to say it but once you say it, it's too late it's out there in the public right
1: and two yeah and we ask jurors all the time so why why are some reasons that somebody wouldn't testify maybe they have a speech impediment maybe they're overly nervous maybe they're just not that smart maybe maybe they just get really super nervous maybe there's a there's tons of reasons why somebody would not maybe they feel like they're fat
0: uh, that no, that's ridiculous
1: I, I'm sure I mean people are ridiculous
0: so then where do you draw the line when it comes to making someone testify or saying if you don't testify we're gonna lock you up because you're And so him. that's
1: where the Fifth Amendment comes into play right is you cannot be compelled to testify <clears throat> right and uh, you know and and, you, and the prosecution is not able to comment on that either okay it, it, you, all of these things work together and so you have to be able to use these rights. And so in the in the colonial days, when they gave attorneys the right to cross-examine, this transformed the practice. So it went from us not being able to argue, us not being able to do anything, a judge controlling the entire trial basically. And even when they had the right to a jury trial, the judge would have the right to cross-examine, the judge would make the rules. The judge really didn't give the jury as much weight as far as fact-finding in other words when the judges determined certain facts the jury couldn't second-guess that he they had to go with what he said and so and when they gave attorneys the right to start just cross-examining it completely transformed right the the whole structure of our judicial practice and um so going from there that goes to the jury trial (laughs) and I, I always talk to the jurors. It, if, if you're listening today, if you get your jury notice, man, it, it's an honor. It really is. And we appreciate you being there. And I know that sometimes it can be an inconvenience, but really take pride in getting that notice and showing up and doing that civic duty. And it goes back to the reasons that they said in Duncan versus Louisiana. It's a Supreme Court case from 1968. And it asked why do we have the right to a jury trial? And the court answered that question. Right to trial by jury is granted to prevent oppression by government. It represents that inestimable safeguard against the corrupt or overzealous prosecutor and the compliant, biased or eccentric judge. It reflects a reluctance to entrust powers over life and liberty to a group of government officials. And it concerns fear, fear of unchecked power and the deep commitment of the nation to the right of jury trial as a defense against arbitrary law enforcement. And this goes straight to the heart of you guys are going to be told if you ever serve on a jury that you don't have the right to ignore the law, that you must follow the law in every instance and that you have to follow it and just basically apply it to those facts. Or the facts to the law in certain cases and so I want to tell you that you absolutely have a right to disregard the law
0: let's go over that
1: you absolutely have a right to nullify there's been cases after cases after cases Uh, Duncan's one of them there's other um, uh, very persuasive uh, federal court opinions that talk about some sometimes the juries were the only reason that blacks right didn't get didn't get convicted of things they stonewalled certain prosecutions because it was just a wrong wrong case and if they had to follow the law in the case maybe they would have convicted them but it was not right and so you absolutely have the right to nullify and that's nullify the law you have a right to ignore it they're not going to tell you that at trial okay because they want you to fall within their little certain little elements and hey as a defense lawyer if i'm arguing a self-defense claim right i'm probably going to say the same thing. i don't
0: understand why you as an attorney can say that but the court won't tell the, the jurors that
1: we can't tell them either we'd probably get held in contempt here for doing that but yeah i mean you can't we no one can tell them but i'm not in court today <laughs> wow
0: so, I don't get that man what that's just not right
1: yeah and 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 you're and you're not the state's not going to be able to appeal that they're not going to be over- overturn that if you decide that you're going not going to convict in this case, regardless of what the law is, and that's what I spoke to Rick with in in our session. We spoke about the grand jury, and so the importance of the grand jury in the day of the founding would have been it, the grand jury the local grand jury pulled from from the the nearby location would know the fashions of the times and what's going on. You don't want a bunch of people from Pennsylvania deciding a bunch of things in Florida. Okay? And so if they felt like a law from England or a law that was maybe applied nationally or not nationally at that time as different colonies, but from, from parliament that they felt like was unfair to apply in those local colonies, they'd no bill it.
0: I have a question. Same thing with the jury. I want your opinion on something. Do you think the jury is swayed more by the facts, more by the person being um, the defendant, or by the attorney? Does the attorney have charisma that draws the jury into saying, Hmm, you know, I like I'm gonna follow him just because he's good at it? Or they look at the the defendant and they're saying, you know, I can't believe this person would do that and the way they're talking, it just doesn't fit them. Or something else. What is it? you know a, a, of
1: a lot of lawyers are going to tell you that you got to be likable. You got to have the jury like you. I think that, uh, regardless of what that opinion is, you've got to be able to have the jury listen to you. As long as you can have the jury listen to you, and, and 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 hear your side of the story and accept that, okay, then I think that you're doing a good job as an attorney.
0: I and the reason I said that. The reason I said that was, was what you just said here. The jury doesn't have to go make a decision based on what the law is so if they're like digging the uh defense attorney and the guy let's just say he's guilty of sin but they like the defense attorney and say, well, you know he did a good case we liked him he's, he handled himself good you know there might be some questions but what the hell we'll just let the guy go
1: well i hear i'll tell you this story i'm not i don't mean to toot my horn but i think it illustrates it and I've, it's not really it's kind of both ways but I, after I, I got a not guilty in a, in a jury trial i was walking out one of the jury said, mr watson mr watson man, I just want to tell you, man, nobody liked you. You're a complete beep. You know, and man, I, man, I, I can't stand you either, but you're the best lawyer I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm not the best lawyer out there. I'm just saying, it, it, nobody liked me on that jury, but the point was is they all listened to what we had to say. And it wasn't a case where it was easy to be nice, and so I can understand why they m- might have felt like I was being overzealous at times, but uh, it's it just you, you gotta I think that you, when you say do you want jurors are jurors gonna listen to the facts or are they gonna listen to you know technical stuff or are they gonna listen to the law a lot of times that depends on the case a lot of times I'm gonna want I'm gonna want that guy who's very analytical I'm gonna want that guy yeah, that's, that's, a, that's gonna look into everything read between the lines then in another case I'm gonna want the guy that Eh, it's not really it's not really there half the time, but it's not you, really care. You, know? you, you
0: bring up a great point because I, I teach that too. I teach uh, personalities, I, I teach body language, all these different factors. So if you get like a personality who's a sanguine, the last thing they want to hear is detailed facts. They just want an overview of what's going on in a happy manner because they want to be happy. But you get a, a choleric, I believe it's phlegmatic, who wants the details, is here for business and wants detail after detail. You, the attorney, giving them a, a flighty type of bit of information he's going to go i can't deal with this guy he's going to listen to the guy who's giving him facts you know
1: right exactly i mean that's that's exactly it and so you want my my point is you want somebody that's going to listen to your side of the story and i, when I think i don't know if it was last week or with uh, rick you know when i used to work with Clyde chandler a lot of times one of my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah. thing he, he would say is like I, I don't i'm not here to pick a fair jury i'm here to pick somebody that's going to listen to my yeah, side of the story, story. Yeah. okay and and so that's really true right so we're going to pick the jurors that we like, okay, and a good uh, other attorneys would say, no, you don't pick, you deselect the bad ones. Clyde would tell you, I'm going to pick the jurors I like, and I'm going to make the state try to get them off, and hopefully I can make sure I got enough of the people that I wanted.
0: Is it hard for you to do a case knowing somebody's guilty, but making sure that they get every right that they're still allowed?
1: I haven't had a case that has done that to me yet, but I can see... I mean, there, I mean, I mean, one cat, my first jury trial, a guy not guilty, I don't know how I did it, it was on a, a traffic ticket, he was driving while license invalid, and they had him on tape, driving with no license, and the cop already knew he didn't have a license, because he stopped him the day before. He's like, I, I was like, man, you need to take a plea deal, man, we need to plead this out. He, he, like, I don't even know how we're going to win. No, nah, man, no, nah, we're going to fight this. I was upset, I was like, man, you're wasting our time. It was not guilty. After that one, it was a wake-up call that, man, I mean, exercise your right. And so, I mean, I haven't had a case that touched me emotionally yet. I'm sure there would be some that would. Um,
0: the only know. thing that would make me, if I was an attorney, I come from a family of attorneys. i got f- attorneys all around me, so I've got that attorney atmosphere in my brain, okay? But based on what you said about the girl who got murdered, but you got to maintain the laws, I think that's how I would apply it. It says, if I'm a public uh, attorney for somebody who can't afford their own attorney and I've got to defend his rights or her rights, I would look at it in one way only, and that is, I know you're lying, I know you're crooked, I know you're guilty, whatever, but I'm sworn to make sure at least you get your rights so that you can be convicted legally. Would that be a fair statement?
1: Yes, and so that's the way I look at it, too. And First uh, John 2.1, we're all entitled to an advocate. Yes. Okay, who 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 am I to judge? We all have a, an advocate in him and so it, when we when we talk about my job is not to get you off. My job is to make sure that the government follows its procedure. Okay? My job is to make sure that the government follows the process like it's supposed to be done. Now hopefully I want to make money and I want to be in business and I love what I do and so hopefully I want to be better than the next attorney. Okay? So sometimes that drives me to to want to want to win okay but at the same time it's an adversarial process so you can't have somebody that's not a competitor
0: okay yeah, but staying honest to yourself and still being competitive that's the way to do it
1: correct but just like any athlete you gotta have the integrity when you're competing hmm? and so i don't want to run out of time here but i, I do want to talk some more about the confrontation clause that was there's some interesting stuff and i'll tell you uh it, it's a it's a fun case uh crawford versus washington was one of the one of the big ones And it was where two guys basically got into a fight and one gentleman ended up stabbing the other guy and ended up taking him to trial. And his wife was at the scene and when the cops show up, they questioned his wife. And his wife, they they got her on tape. And so when they went to trial, it was his wife and he claimed what we talked about on the show already, the spousal communication privilege. He, He, the defendant, prevented his wife from getting on the stand... And saying what she had said, because it was contradictory to his self-defense claim. He was claiming self-defense, and what she said is, oh, he started it, okay? The Supreme Court said that they could not, and so uh, let me finish. And so what they did is they got the police officer to come up and play that videotape. And it was her testimony on that videotape mm. saying that, now nah, he started it, you know, and so he couldn't use that self-defense claim. Right. And it raises a whole new, not a new idea. It, it, it goes, I mean, it was historical. Justice Scalia wrote that opinion. It was based totally on, on history. That's why he overturned his case. But can you, do you, can you imagine why this was overturned? A lot of people were upset about this especially from the state because it's a recording it's a recorded video why can't they play that? because nobody had the right to cross examine the wife neither did the defendant even though he prevented her from testifying he still did not have the right to cross examine her the time that she made that tape and because she was unavailable and there was no right to cross examine and it was what we would call testimonial in other words, it was within the confines of an interrogation made for the purposes of criminal prosecution. The police were talking to her, mm-hmm. right, for the purposes of bringing a charge. It was a testimonial statement that the defendant had no right to cross-examine the witness for. And so it's very strong. I mean, this, this of all the constitutional rights, and that's why I love the Sixth Amendment, these are the ones, right, that I still feel like have some teeth. Fourth Amendment is basically useless now. <laughs> First Amendment is very strong in some cases, but not in others. It's lost of his teeth. Even Professor Korn argues about how many exceptions that they've made to the Miranda requirement, and actually, it supports police now instead of protecting defendants like it was supposed to do and the, you know that we talked about the second amendment obviously it wasn't incorporated and we didn't have a lot of cases on that at the time but it, it's it, it's always being litigated there's always cases finding exceptions for this and it's just the government slowly chewing away mm-hmm. and so by the way it's not all professor corners he probably disagrees with me on some of the fourth amendment stuff oh, man, you don't even understand we it, it, man you would not want to do the show anymore that's how good he is but but we, we need these. We need these rights, and these Sixth Amendment rights are still ones that have stuck around, and they're still as strong today, if not stronger than ever. Except, there's, and, and this applies too. We're gonna see. Uh, you'll see some of the like. If you gotta get you on a DWI case, I'm gonna hope that they try to submit an affidavit right just like they did we're doing in england and in the early colonial days submit an affidavit right saying that your blood alcohol is such when that person is nowhere to be found to cross-examine okay Mm -hmm. and so all this drives the prosecutors crazy because it's hard for them to try to get all these expert witnesses from around the state to come here and but they've got to and it only makes sense because i promise you i promise you those lab techs there has been many that have been when i say many i don't want to say many, but there has been a a lot of cases that have been overturned because of just uh, not neglect but intentional in- intentional wrongfulness on the part of the, of the state lab tech or right. and there's also been we we uh we we tried a case here on the manslaughter dbi and the 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 blood the blood wasn't even the right blood. <laughs> And so, it, and, and we would not have known that. We would not have known that had we not, right, taken that case of trial. Even though we had an idea about that beforehand. There would have been no way for us to show that if we would not have gotten the person. So it's not just reliability. It's not just reliability of that evidence, like science evidence. It's the manner in the way that it's presented and that's why you need a lawyer and so don't talk to the police get a lawyer i mean i'm not saying get me just get it get get somebody before you go talk to them because i promise and i talk about one of my really good friends that i say she works for the sheriff's department really bitty cute cute as a bug mexican girl goes all around everywhere goes way out in the woods talking to the tweakers right and all by herself has no backup gosh i mean i, I mean i admire i i mean i'd be like man i don't want to i don't want to go here by myself Right, And she goes, I know how to talk to people.
0: That's a good thing, yeah. It's a good thing to know Often she, how to use your so, weapon.
1: C- police officers know how to talk to people. And so they're going to know how to ask you questions. They do? Well, they know how to interrogate people.
0: That's probably okay. better.
1: And so it's like when you said, so did you smile when you uh, slapped your mom in the face? Well, how are you going to answer that question? <laughs> I mean, I, assume, I assume I did. you did it.
0: No, I didn't smile. Oh, so you did it. Yeah, I do smile. Oh, you did it.
1: Yeah, they're good at those questions. Okay, and they're good. And I'm not saying they're crooked or something. like that. They're doing their job. They're doing their good. That's fine, right? But you need to be aware of your rights. And so, because sometimes, I'm telling you, sometimes innocent people say dumb stuff, man. I, pro- I I can testify we've had innocent people that have been charged. They've gone through the rigor rigors of, of, of prosecution. And then we've come back, right, and undone the case. Okay, we've gone all the way to a couple days before trial, and it comes out, we find out something else. But everybody knew they were guilty because they said stupid stuff. I promise you this stuff happens.
0: So what, is, what I've learned so far is that it doesn't matter what happens in the courtroom, the jury can override it and always use the fifth so I don't get myself in trouble.
1: Always use the fifth, not a fifth but (laughs) defense yes always be aware of the fifth amendment make sure you make sure you don't sleep on that right and your sixth amendment right to an attorney okay there's so many good cases I could have went into but we just didn't have the time but I wanted to convey and stress the importance of of, of using your rights in the justice. Without the First Amendment, your lawyers wouldn't be able to speak. Without the Sixth Amendment, you wouldn't be able to assert the First Amendment. Without the Fifth Amendment, they could just put you in there and make you testify against yourself, even if you couldn't otherwise do it and you had no representation. I mean, without the Fourth, they could get your papers and use that against you. Okay, all of these things, all of these things are 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 intertwined, and hopefully that, if we get anything from the show, it's to to try to I'm, I, I, some things some changes are good but other changes I feel like have gone too far like with the there's one exception to the confrontation clause rule that I, I don't like and a lot of people disagree with me but it's in like a child sexual assault case okay they don't a lot of times courts won't make them be face to face when they testify and right. I feel like I feel like man I get it I understand your argument but man kids lie man kids make stuff up kids i mean I, i've used a child from the defense standpoint to win a case okay and they're powerful they're powerful and so it's like man they put them up there but they do lie man and for some reason people think they don't <laughs>
0: yeah they do they do for sure
1: and so respect the the right to the, or have the crucible of cross-examination uh always exercise your right to a lawyer and be proud to stand on a jury.
0: You know, kids younger and younger are getting more smart, more savvy as to how the world works because of that electronic device that they have oh, in their absolutely. hand. Oh, absolutely. And so when they see all this stuff going on, it's almost in my opinion, in my observation, it becomes almost like a game to them. What can how far can I pull the truth or stretch the truth to get what I want or just to mess things up or shake it up or be the the highlight of the day.
1: But man, I promise you. From you know, I don't just do criminal defense where I do family law cases too. I do guardianship type of cases. People—they are susceptible. They're not always lying. I, man, kids are so susceptible to manipulation. Mm. And eyewitness testimony. Eyewitness testimony is the most, or at least one of the top three most unreliable pieces of evidence there is. And that's why it's important to have the right to cross examine, examine somebody's memory. Do they really say? Do they really are they? Did they really see what they think they're remembering? Okay, I can tell you so many cases of the of several Justice League type of uh, organizations that Innocence Projects and things like that that have gotten cases overturned based on eyewitness testimony.
0: Is, and, that just, is that just one individual? If you got two or three saying the same thing, then you're pretty much oh,
1: it's not always limited to one witness. But obviously, 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 there's going to be some things that. If you got two or three witnesses to well, remember one like, aspect,
0: but. To draw the guns back into this, when I teach my license to carry class, speaking of which, ladies and gentlemen, I got a class at uh, 2 o'clock. I got a couple spots open if you want to participate in it. Give me a call to show here, 254 697 6633. But when I'm teaching the class, I'm telling people look, somebody breaks in your house at 3 o'clock in the morning, you shoot them in the living room, they're bleeding out on your floor, the police are going to come, they're going to ask you questions, but you're probably going to have the option if you want to sleep in your room that night or get a hotel room, right? Right. But if you're on the corner of 5th and Main, and you do the same thing and you hold your ground because it's a castle doctrine where you can hold your ground. You don't h- longer have to run. You can stand your ground. And you shoot somebody there on the corner, fit the man, there's 10 other witnesses, and each one has a different vantage point. What you say may be a little bit different from each one of the witnesses who sees it. So a verbal or eyewitness account can actually be not as accurate as you think it would be.
1: Correct. Okay. And so, I mean, it doesn't help you always. Right. Yeah. And they're seeing it from a different vantage point. That's why
0: I'm saying The whole purpose of that illustration was if you're going to pull it out, make sure you have a darn good reason to be doing it.
1: <laughs> and, and too, they may not have, if they're not in the vicinity that you're in, they may not have felt right. that it was that threatening of, a, of an issue. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people think that they're better than other people and they, oh, that was unreasonable when when and they're in there and they were in that situation they probably would have done the same thing a lot of times it's hard to try to convey that to people so even even though i have represented guilty people sometimes i just feel like the prosecution's overreaching or man, man yeah maybe they violated technically but man this this was a hard this was a tough set of facts for anybody mm-hmm.
0: Okay, uh, we're just about out of time. Anything else you want to go over real quick? Because what we're going to do, we're basically doing this numerically, 1 through 10. However, Rick shows a lot of passion and favoritism. He wants to do the Seventh Amendment, but I'm not sure of his schedule. So you may be doing the 8th next week if you're around. Okay. It just all depends on what's going on. But do you have any, ready. Do you have anything left for this one? Any final words, parting words?
1: Uh, again, don't sleep on the 5th. Okay, just uh, don't, and don't sleep with a fist. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, exercise those rights, serve on a jury, take pride in it.
0: Cappellino Dog Krebs Law Firm sponsoring this long segment. We can't thank him enough, and all our sponsors as well. Ross, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, man. And maybe we'll see you next week. I'll talk to Rick about it. Okay, guys, for um, conserving time, let's go right into Jan- delicious Janae Goodman with another tactical snacking segment. Chief, if you're listening, we'll try and get you right about the top of the hour. See you on the other side.
2: Hello, my lovelies, and happy St. Patrick's Day to you! I've got some composting tips to help you stay green. If you missed last week's segment about sprucing up your garden for spring, be sure to check it out at cultivatedclassroom.com. I'm Janae Goodman, and this is Tactical Snacking. What on earth is compost? If you're keen on gardening, chances are that you've heard the word, but I can still help you out with a formal definition. Compost is decayed organic material that can be used as plant fertilizer. It is a pile made up of mostly plant and raw food materials and there are a handful of things to do to ensure your compost pile is hot, heaping and healthy. For starters, what can you compost? Plant materials such as tree bark, broken down sticks and withered crops, fruit and veggie scraps or things like leafy tops or peels or stems, eggshells, some paper-based materials which include coffee filters, paper bags, newspapers and shredded cardboard, you can also do loose coffee grounds and tea leaves or waste from herbivorous animals such as horses chickens and rabbits remember to break down larger items like sticks and cardboard to avoid a longer breakdown time of your compost along with that list comes a number of items that you do not want to introduce to your compost pile things such as meat and fish or waste from carnivorous animals this includes dogs and cats milk or dairy whole eggs remember only the eggshells cooked food and leftovers and glossy and ink-based paper. That includes stickers you find on your produce. Plastic and glass do not break down, so be sure to leave those in a recycling bin instead. You'll also want to avoid adding any large amount of citrus peels. Avoid adding treated wood and synthetic or chemical-based fertilizers as well. Citrus peels can ward off any insects that you need to make your compost pile thrive. Meats and dairy can add quite a stench when they decompose. They also attract unwanted rodents to your compost, meaning potential diseases and unwanted bacteria that's passed on to you. Man-altered materials such as glossy and ink-based papers carry chemicals. This of course being the same issue with synthetic fertilizers and chemical-based pesticides. Newspapers safe because most of them are printed using a soybean oil-based ink. You must remember that compost will be used to make recycled soil, so you don't want to introduce chemicals or rodents to your crops, don't introduce them to your organic matter pile. If you're looking at starting a compost pile at home, you'll want to start directly on Mother Nature. This allows for beneficial insects to find their way to your pile. Next, stack a layer of sticks and twigs which allows your pile to drain water and allows for aeration. Then, you'll want to alternate between green and brown layers. The green layers are made up of living, organic materials such as grass clippings or those food scraps and withered plants we mentioned earlier. The brown layers are comprised of items like hay, dried leaves, tree bark, basically any dry organic plant materials. When you're done alternating between the green and the brown layers, water it plenty. Your compost should be moist but it should not be continuously soaked. Overwatering will cause your pile to rot in all the wrong ways. Keeping too dry of a compost pile, however, will elongate the amount of time that it takes for your pile to break down. So be sure to incorporate water occasionally or put it in a place that it gets ample rain. Once it's nice and finely watered, cover your compost. You can do so with a tarp, wood slats, plastic sheets, or whatever you may have on hand. You'll also want to turn your compost pile every few weeks. This means that you take a large shovel or a pitchfork and toss your materials around like a salad. This allows for air to be introduced to your pile, meaning that items break down just a tad bit faster. When adding new items to your compost, be sure to cover them with existing compost layers. There's no need to layer new items, but you don't want to attract fruit flies or any other rodents. If a pile seems like an eyesore, you lack the room for one, you can always opt for a compost barrel instead. Compost barrels or tumblers are handy because they make it easy to incorporate new material into your compost. Not to mention that they're less work when it comes to aerating. Plus, if you have some energetic kids around, they love helping you spin the barrel. A healthy compost pile should incorporate FBI. If the feds are knocking at your door, I hate to break it to you, but it has nothing to do with your composting skills. We're talking about fungi, bacteria, and invertebrates. Mold and mushrooms are wonderful for breaking down organic materials because of a natural enzyme they possess. Bacteria warms up your compost pile, and as bacteria breaks down organic matter, nutrients are released into the compost. Invertebrates, or animals that don't have backbones, allow air into your organic matter while also breaking down materials by eating them. Composting comes with a heap of benefits. Primarily, adding compost to your soil gives your crops a boost of nutrients. It also attracts beneficial bugs to your garden beds. This includes worms, beetles, and spiders. Lastly, composting allows you to recycle food regardless of if you have a garden or not. Studies have shown that composting can actually eliminate up to 30% of waste in your home trash can, and that means less waste overall. So whether you're a green thumb gardener or not, I encourage you to compost. Be sure to drop a line at snacking at yahoo.com if you wish to inquire more about composting or kitchen skills. Be safe, enjoy your St. Patrick's Day, and until next time, stay hungry, my friends.
0: See you next week. Until then, keep it powder dry, and God bless.